0: Today is Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros, an evangelist taken into custody by the FBI. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Joining me as always, Trey Gons, Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. What's up, fellas? Happy uh, Mini Monday.
1: Here Hell, we go. This week is
2: just melt, melting away this week. Melting,
0: <laughs> melting away. away. Melting away. Just like... Uh, Your coffees and everything else that you're ingesting this morning to stay awake. So another busy podcast, guys. Um, We are going to be looking at a church that's trying to get a revival going. Love the story there. Also on the main thing, we're going to hear from a Christian baker who just won a major free speech victory. And this is a different baker. I mean, there's more of them out there. You know, we've interviewed most of the ones that are having this happen to them, but then this is a new one. So we're going to hear that story as well. Uh, Coming up, but first, we're going to go through uh, the news in 90 seconds. Danish evangelist Torben Sondergaard, who had filed for asylum here in the U.S. after being persecuted in his home country, was arrested by an FBI agent with the Joint Terrorism Task Force. He was told the arrest was for gun smuggling, even though he was never charged for that. The FBI later said that it was because his visa had expired. His lawyers say that doesn't make sense because immigration agents would make that type of arrest, not FBI agents from the Joint Terrorism Task Force. And uh, attacks against his ministry in Denmark began in 2016 when he was investigated by multiple Danish, Danish government agencies, everything from food safety to unpaid taxes. They found nothing wrong. And then they investigated his family when he began homeschooling. You can check out the full exclusive from CBN's Dale Hurd over at CBNNews.com. Former President Trump asked the Supreme Court yesterday to block the release of his tax records to Democrats. They've been trying to get those since 2019. And Americans, who report tighter financial conditions since 2020, largely blame President Biden for their misfortune, according to a new midterm election survey from Bankrate. And Christians in Tyler, Texas Endured mocking as they came together to pray ahead of a pagan pride fest over the weekend held by self-professed Satanists and atheists and so-called heathens. And so those are just some of the top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Guys, this uh, pagan pride fest that happened and these Christians that went, that uh, that was quite the scene.
2: Well... You know, I think a lot of this is obviously there's, there's evil at the core of a lot of it, but a lot of it's a quest for a spectacle. People love to make a good spectacle and to be at the center of it and to mock Christians when they can.
3: Yeah. But also, you know, on the flip side of that, good for the Christians, one for, for being willing to go out there and pray, but also for not making a spectacle of themselves, right for going. And some of them went ahead of time before this even took place and prayed over the property that this event was going to be at. Some showed up for the event and prayed, but I mean, good for them for being willing to, you know, instead of, I don't know, fighting back or, or yeah, making it angry. into a food fight. Yeah. They were really they were prayerful. So,
0: yeah, and I think that's one of the things we've talked about is how do we approach people like this who are hostile towards the faith? And instead of viewing them as enemies per se, um, even mm-hmm. though they are standing essentially against God, there's no neutral on that front. I mean, we have to look at them as essentially prisoners that need to be set free. And um, we were all essentially in that same camp at one point at when we were unbelievers versus when we were saved. So we have to have that mindset. And I think these Christians probably did are you know, with concern for their souls, right. And saying, Hey, they're, they're, um, basically slave to sin right now. And we're praying that Jesus would set them free. So, Um, I mean, that's a little bit about what I see when when I'm seeing stuff like
2: this. Compassion over anger and grace and love over anger. Not that you don't stand by truth. You always do that. But instead of having that first reaction be, I'm mad that these people are saying and doing and being the way they are, having compassion and grace for them.
0: All right. Let's uh, head into our next story. And a California pastor is gearing up for a week-long event called Rend the Heavens. Let's take a look at this
2: unique effort. And so, uh, Billy, what's going on here? Yeah, this is Shane Eidelman, pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship out in California, and he did this last year, where on Halloween night he started a week-long um, string of services. And these are two to three-hour church services, different from your traditional weekly service, in that people are just showing up. It's they're showing up. They're praying. They're fasting. And they're just there to worship. And so they do this again. It's a week. It's at least seven days straight of two to three hour a day church services.
0: And so do we know kind of specifically what they're going to be focusing on at these uh, at these church services?
2: Yeah, you know, basically, this is Eidelman's belief that we're in the chaotic culture, which we talk about on this show all the time. And he wants to break through that chaos and that consternation and really um, break in and and really just appeal to God. So they're going to be praying, doing what you would do during a normal service, but really intensely seeking the Lord. And he talked with us a lot about the fact that they they like to do this not even just once a year. They started it last year, but they try to do it every quarter. Um, where they have this week long, you know, service binge. And he said, look, desperate times call for desperate measures. And so they want to meet the culture where they are with intense worship and refocus themselves and inspire others in the process.
0: And so what are they looking sort of as an outcome here? What would they consider a success? What are they hoping to accomplish?
2: Yeah, you know, my my thing is like asking him, okay, well, what happened last time, right? Because that's, to me, <laughs> yeah. if you're looking to do this again, what's the success of this? Right. You know, why are people going? And he talked about the desperation that he sees in culture. And obviously that transfers over to people in the church. He said that they saw redeemed marriages changed lives, people turning their lives over to the Lord, um, that just doing this for that week, they saw so much light and so much Christ in the midst of that, that it was amazing. So they're looking to see that happen within their church. And beyond that, Yeah, he wants to see a revival. He said that's really the only, that's really the only path forward. How do we fix what we have going on we need to see more Jesus, you know, in our culture. So, you know, bigger, bigger goals, but also I think smaller goals for the congregation, which again, you know, they've, they've already seen some of that happen in the past.
0: Yeah, and, and we're so divided now. We've, you know, again, we talk about that all the time, but I think the church, anytime that there's action happening and, you know, because it's great to debate all the things that are going on and let's talk about this perspective and that perspective, and that's great. But it, But as a church, if we can get on the ground, And really start infusing ourselves into the midst of this and tangibly helping people that are lost, you know, helping someone in need and get the church out there and get them visible. I mean, you got to applaud those efforts because those are the sorts of things that are also going to really kind of
2: draw people to Christ. No, absolutely. And by the, by the way, I think it's important to mention this. This was all rooted in Isaiah 64. He talked about the prophet calling out to the Lord, you know, imploring God to rend the heavens, hence the name of the event, and to come down and really visit his people again. And, you know, Eidelman was saying, look, he got to a point where he's like, why can't we call on God? Why can't we be like the prophet and say, look, we need to cry out in that same way. And knowing that the only hope for our nation is a spiritual revival, he decided to have his church church do just that.
3: I think as you were telling that story and going over the details Billy is it reminded me just how important it is to put ourselves in the right posture uh, when we're seeking the Lord and I think that's so important as believers that we take that time like we, that we set aside like my church does I think it's like four times out of the year they'll take one week uh, in each quarter uh, and we will have a, a week of prayer and a week of worship where we'll just focus on putting ourselves in the right position as as followers of Christ. And, and doing our best to be obedient to what scripture says and then just asking the Lord that he would move however he wants to, right? Instead of just give asking him for things that we want in particular, just whatever you want for us, whatever you want for our community, Lord, that's what we want and help align our hearts with that. I think it's an important thing for us to do periodically as believers corporately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Billy, we uh, appreciate you bringing that one. We'll definitely keep an eye on it. We'll report back and we'll see what uh, what has happened after uh, Idleman does it this time. Uh, like you said, always good to check back in and see what are the outcomes of some of these things. So, all right. Well, that leads us into our main thing for today. And Kathy Miller, the owner of Tastries Bakery, made headlines last week when she won her battle against California's Department of Fair Housing and Employment. She was sued after declining to make a wedding cake for a gay couple. Well, Billy Halliwell sat down with her to discuss the whole ordeal. And that's today's main thing.
2: California baker, Kathy Miller, the owner of Tastries Bakery and Bakersfield. She made headlines last week when she won her religious freedom battle against California's department of fair housing and employment. Now Miller had been sued for not making a cake for a same sex couple. She took us through her plight, what unfolded, and how she's feeling about her victory. Here's what she had to say.
1: This case began five years ago. And uh, that's when a couple came into the bakery, and um, it was two men and two women and another older woman. And they came in, and I began my process of it takes about an hour to create the cake order form and discuss all the details regarding their cake. And I thought I was talking to the bride and groom, maid of honor and best man, and one of their mothers. And then when I said, well, who's the lucky groom, they pointed to the other girl. So that's when I had to say, you know, let me go get some more paperwork. I went to the side. I prayed very hard. (laughs) And I asked the Lord to give me wisdom. And I just started visiting with them. And I told them I couldn't do their cake and then, it, after being pushed a little bit, I said, "I'm sorry, I can't hurt my Lord and Savior. I can't participate in this this union because it's a sacra- God says it's a sacrament between a man and a woman, and I just can't hurt my Lord and Savior." So I referred them to another bakery, and I told them that you know she's an amazing decorator, has great cakes, and um, the reason I chose her. Personally, the reason I chose her was because I wanted to support um, someone who's a good decorator, but she's also part of the LGBT community. She's married to another woman, and um, I thought that would be a really good fit. And that worked. Everybody was happy, you know, up until this couple. And um, I was just really sad that this all happened,
2: so you is. had, just to clarify that, that's really interesting. So you had had sort of an arrangement where you were forwarding people on and you had done this before without any kind of issue or incident in the past.
1: Correct. Correct. And huh. I, do have, I do have design standards at the bakery and they're printed out and they're at my checkouts and they're in my binders. And it says I, I'll, you know, do I'll, I'll create any cake that is praiseworthy and honoring and Shows kindness and love and happiness, um, but not something that is derogatory or that violates my Christian faith, and that's where we kind of had a conflict here.
2: How did they react in the moment when you were explaining this to them and talking to them? You know, when when they, I'd love to hear how they reacted and when they left. If you thought there was going to be a problem based on that reaction,
1: I think both of us were very surprised. Um, I know I was shocked. And I know they were upset. And but I did not think that it would go this far. I did not realize that within two hours, we would be bombarded by hate mail death threats, rape threats. Um, The media was storming into our bakery. Um, There was there was it was quite, quite sad what happened afterwards.
2: And that was the day of so that was gonna be my next question, because they leave the bakery. And within hours, what happens? Take me through sort of the events that day and the weeks that
1: followed. So I was teaching a cupcake class to 20 different people. Um, It was a a birthday party and uh, the phone was ringing off the hook and I thought, wow, we're busy. And then I noticed that my, my employees were crying and they said, Kathy, we need you right now. And I went back there and they told me that they were getting horrible, horrible phone calls. And that the media was going to be there within minutes and so we had to lock the doors at one point because the media was coming into the bakery and, and interviewing people in this parking lot and once it got um to that point um we we had to shut down for a little bit and we had to shut down our media um and every time we're in the news it does you know go down to one stars again but that's okay um so continuously every time this would come up there was um, a dissension you know with the LGBT community unfortunately um, it took until this verdict that uh, people came to realize that this is about standing for my Lord and Savior and, and living my faith in the workplace and you walk in my bakery there's crosses and Christian music playing and books and bibles and you know it's a little boutique along with the bakery so i'm not hiding anything this isn't something that was made up
2: but how has it impacted business for you
1: it's kind of been um at both extremes people have supported us encouraged us with emails and and facebook and coming into the bakery we have people calling and saying can you ship us cookies i don't care what you ship we just want to support you But then on the flip side, we've had others that have said, I'm not getting a wedding cake from them. They're, you know, they're bigots. They use all kinds of horrible words. But I think as this has progressed, especially with this ruling, I think that Judge Bradshaw did an excellent job of showing that it is about our faith and it is not about discrimination, which has resounded in our community with. They now understand where we are at and that it's for our Lord and Savior, you know. So that has that's ended up being very positive and supportive and encouraging. Financially, it's been a roller coaster.
2: So, Kathy, final question for you here. What would you say to the couple? Because I know there's a lot there's been a lot of emotion, a lot of difficulty, a lot of chaos and a lot of media attention around this. But if you had this couple in front of you right now, what would you say to them?
1: I would say that I'm very sorry that um, all this has happened. I hope that they understand um, that I was not trying to hurt them, I was just trying to live by my beliefs and my my love for my Lord. And I hope that um, people in their community can support them in the decisions they've made just as people in our community have supported us and we need to learn to get along and let be very respectful of each other in the future.
2: For more on Kathy's story, you can head over to faithwire.com and read what she had to say.
0: All right, Billy, thanks so much for that conversation there. And that leaves us with time for one last thing today. And I want to take a look at Hebrews 10, And verses 22 and 23, which says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And guys, you know, I was reading that verse and it just hit me as I'm thinking about all these people who are deconstructing and who are kind of wallowing in doubt and... I think the answer is to just focus on Scripture. Read about our full assurance of faith that you can be confident going before the throne of grace um, because of God's uh, grace for us, for Christ's sacrifice for us, and His great love for us. So uh, we don't we don't have to stay in that doubting area.
2: No, and like you know, whenever you're doubting a friendship with a person, right? You don't go more distant from that person to fix that friendship. You figure it out. You get closer to that person, you in the, in this context, you read scripture, you pray, you you know, you trust and you get yourself back into it. I think culture sells this lie that if you somehow separate from your faith, you're going to re- figure out how to reconstruct it. It's just it's a bizarre notion. I think the more you get into it, the more you can rediscover that truth.
3: And I also think we're impatient, right? So we we think like, oh, I'll just study this, this passage for a little while, or I'll just go through this Bible study this time. And then I will forever be cured of dealing with this temptation or I will, I'll, you know, I'll be completely transformed in the reality is it's a process. We have to be patient. We have to invest in a relationship with the Lord in order to change. Like it's just the same way. Like you're yeah. not going to, you know, start engaging in a relationship with your wife and think, well, why isn't everything perfect for your <laughs> husband? It's like, well, get to know them better, you know, really engage and develop that relationship. And the obedience becomes natural over time. and I think yeah. you know that's that's what's going to change us is consistency.
0: yeah I mean, and we're told in scripture to reread scripture to keep reading these yeah. things back to ourselves have have these things you know on our written on our hearts and kind of marinating on our hearts all the time and uh, that's why we meet each week. that's why we continue to read the Bible so that we can be um, reminded of these truths that God has given us that that can help us go forward with confidence and with, uh, with full assurance of faith. So that's all the time we have for the podcast today. Lord willing, in that creek, don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless.